0: Welcome back to the Rebel Alliance Media Podcast. In the studio today, we have Chris and Nate, as always. Friend of the show's Jude is back with us today. And special guest today, Pastor Drew Fess from City View Church in London, Ontario. How are you doing today, Drew? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you. (laughs) Thanks for being here, man. Yeah. All right, guys. So we got an opening question for today. But before we get into that, I want to remind all of our listeners to like, share, and comment with us on Facebook. We are also now on iTunes, and if you can give us a five-star writing and write a review, we would be much appreciated to that. And give us a follow on Twitter.
1: Helps the audience grow. Gets we appreciate the, it. Gets yep. the message out. Yep. More Our, people need to know about the Bible and Star Wars. So. That's right.
0: Our 10,000 followers, we need to get that to 100,000 by the end of the month.
1: <laughs> no pressure.
0: I don't know why you guys are laughing at that. Just like, so the only question today, guys, this is a good one. Bible verses that nobody gets tattoos of. So which verses should no one get a tattoo of? Okay.
1: Cuz we all know the overused ones, right? The uh, I know the plans I have for you or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the not bu- the overused ones, but just the obscure ones that nobody w- should get. The bookmarks, right. the bookmarks. <laughs> Jeremiah 29:11. Yeah, or,
2: or the one that's not a scripture verse. Only God can judge me, but yeah. people think it is. Right.
1: Love the sinner, hate the, <laughs> love, the <laughs> sinner, love the sinner, hate sinner the sin. Yeah. That's not in the Bible, guys. Um, okay, here I got one. God helps those yeah, who yeah, help God's themselves. Yeah, guys, God only helps yeah, those he yeah, we can do a whole segment on just those next time. There so you there you go. Uh, we'll put that one in the bank. But okay, tattoo or Bible verse. Nobody should get tattooed on them. Here we go. Judges 4:21. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay asleep. She drove a peg through his temple and into the ground and he died. <laughs> <laughs> with a picture. Imagine right? that on your yeah, back. With a picture. The tent peg through the temple and into the ground. Like, that's what... That's a very visual verse. Solid. You could even get the verse tattooed with, like, some sort of blood splatter. Like, it, I, I could... Hey, maybe you should get it.
0: That could be good. How, how fast are you ending the relationship if the first time you see the, the person that you're dating in a Russian or in a bathing suit or something, they have that tattooed on their back.
1: Yeah, that's... How quick are you out of there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and not leaving any hammers lying around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got a good one.
2: Um, so here is, this is the worst tattoo you could possibly get. It'll never happen if it does your problem, particularly if it's on your forehead. This should not be a tattoo. You should not have this written. Babylon the Great, mother of (laughs) prostitutes and of Earth's (laughs) abominations. If that's on the forehead, Big problems, right? So that's a bad night. That's a that's bad a, one. That's a the, bad. The, the the prostitute and the beast. That's what yeah. she has on her forehead. You know, we yeah. don't we don't want to see that. that oh, is, that's the wrong role model in scripture. <laughs> that's, that's not who you're looking yeah. to. So let's nice. stay away from that verse out of Revelation. Nice. I think I've
1: seen that guy downtown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> with with the end is near sign on his. Yeah. He's always got that cardboard uh, thing. That spiritual yeah. cardboard. Spiritual All right, Drew, code, Drew what I do like you got it? for
3: us? Well, I'll just say this: uh, I've in my in my I've almost got a tattoo over the last couple of years, but I just spent a week on the beach, and I'm realizing th- it's convinced me out of getting, getting a tattoo because I've seen some it it. it it's spoken for sure. It's definitely uh, something I'll probably avoid now. Seeing some gnarly tattoos. This is what I would, uh, here's what I would not put. Uh, Le- 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 Leviticus 19:28. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. That's the, the wrong that would thing be to
2: the get tattooed. Le- Leviticus 19, yeah. Was,
0: that's that's kind of like the irony. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah.
2: yeah. Irony.
0: <laughs> it's Hannah, it's Hannah. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. I had a second one here. Um, you know, one you wouldn't want to get on your legs. You know, uh, the Lord will strike you on the knees and on the legs with <laughs> grievous boils.
1: Nice. You know, uh, what are the chances that one gets infected? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's oh, out of Leviticus. Nice. nice. Leviticus is probably pretty rich in these, but uh, was, what, do you, what do you got for us, Chris?
0: I went first Samuel. So then Saul said, thus shall you say to David, the Kings desire no more bridepice except for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. That he may avenged on his king's enemies.
1: Nice. the The KJV really brings that one out. Oh there. yeah, I went.
0: I went with the old language because I I I really yeah. wanted to emphasize, you know, the the bride price and the hundred foreskins. Yeah, the hundred like, foreskins. Is, yeah. Get that tattoo right on your arm,
3: and and that would be in like bigger
1: letters. Like it would be oh. a little, and then yeah, like bold. Three yeah, yeah, like D.
0: Yeah. you go with the classic like Arial, and then some big New Times Roman. <laughs> for that.
1: So while we're speaking about fonts, um. Talking about Bible tattoos, all right. So we're we're talking about verses that we don't want tattooed on us. Um, what 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 is what are we thinking in terms of the spirituality of a tattoo? Is it upgraded by being in Greek or Hebrew?
2: Whew. You know, I guess it depends on you know. My thing is that's not helping you any. Not in my <laughs> books. Whether it's Greek, Hebrew, or English, I know. Uh, but so I'm somebody, I'm a bit curmudgeonly. So,
1: so who do you <laughs> nice. so who do you hate more, Jude? <laughs> the, the guy with love tattooed on the small of his back, or the guy with agape? <laughs> on the small of his back? You know what? Yeah, agape yeah, in that case would would yeah. I think bother me more. Nice. So so your daughters come home with a, a tattoo, and uh, if it's in Hebrew, they're getting in more trouble.
2: Well, more, yeah, probably
1: <laughs> more, more trouble. Nice. Put this one in the archives. Yeah. Yeah, do them the listen to it. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't listen to this one. Yeah, if, Ina, if you're listening, you're, you're gonna be in trouble. <laughs> Stick to
2: English if you're gonna do it at all.
1: Yeah, um, not that we want to encourage your girls to get it. absolutely tattoo, not. You know? We don't no, want so, to. And that. you can't blame me if you're if you're listening. The, all right,
0: the worry with a, a verse tattoo is what happens if you you get it tattooed in like the NIV and then everybody stops using the NIV. they be like, oh, he's quoted that verse wrong. Mm. And you're just like, ah, oh, I'm walking around with this verse
1: tattooed.
2: That's Word or even they, wrong. you know, they they update translations. Exactly. So the NIV still used, but now one of the words has changed. Yeah,
1: not some, good. Some, yeah, somebody's looking at you, going, "You didn't read that quite well. You didn't do that uh, quite right." Do you have more respect for somebody who gets um, a tattoo in a translation that's uh, that we would call is is more accurate, like an ESV or an NASB, <laughs> over like somebody's getting the message tattoo, yeah, like a word a- to word translation <laughs> as opposed to an idea to idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, all, yeah, all respect to Eugene Peterson, but if you get the yeah. message tattooed on you, you're not nearly as spiritual, right? Yeah, well, you
2: know what? <laughs> I think, once again, you're not helping yourself out with me at, at all. Either way, you know. Um, no, I, you know, it's funny to, to think about this. Um, scripture memorization. This yeah. would actually help. Right. You know, <laughs> tattooed on the inside of my forearm. You know, I have about 16 there that I would continually keep memorized. You know, maybe that you could make an argument would be a about- Chris's
3: Chris's verse would be the first one though. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: What was it? What 104 skins or was it 1000 yeah. skins? I can't remember. Well, it's going to be in bold though. So <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> you'll
0: get the you'll get the big letters.
1: No, see Jude's the oldest of us though. So if you got 16 verses tattooed on your forearm, chances are in about 10 years you're not going to be able to read them all. <laughs> <laughs> that's, this that's is true. my beach thing, right? <laughs> yeah, right? I was seriously. like, man. You got to think ahead. You got to think ahead. You got to think ahead. Yeah. Um, All right. What are we actually talking about today, Chris?
0: Well, we're actually uh, going to be talking about church planting, and uh, we're going to be talking about big churches versus little churches. What's better? Is there one that's more biblical?
1: Uh, so, before we get into the topic, let's just uh, let our listeners know if you mu- if you don't know uh, Drew Fest, Drew Fest. So you're the you're the pastor of Royal View, uh, or you are were a pastor at Royal View, and you yeah. guys planted City View here in London. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, about your church and, yeah. and the planting and and all that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah. So I was. Um, on staff, leading student ministry at Royal View in the mid to late, do we call them, the 2000s? Can, yeah. can we do that yet? Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah, sure. Well, I'll do it. I'll um, allow it. <laughs> so yeah, so it was I mean, had a great, great time leading the students there. I actually went to high school at the high school just up the road, so there was a ton of connections and uh, relationship there. It was a great time, but I always even... And this may sound weird, but like from 15, 16 years old, had felt pastoral ministry would probably be the road I'd take. And I had always felt like I was going to start something. Cool. And um, so as I was doing youth ministry at of View, I felt like there would be a season and a time where it would be time to see if there was the opportunity to kind of be sent out. Uh, my wife is from Sarnia. Um, we always thought we would land in Toronto. Uh, I like my big city. I'm a city slicker. Love big cities. <laughs> thought that maybe that would be uh, kind of our destination. So went to the team at Royal View, asked them and said, hey, like we're thinking about planting a church and um, had their blessing. We were, awesome. I think, really excited that we wanted to do that. Kind of ended the conversation. I didn't resign or anything, but... Um, just felt like I had the support of that church. Uh, then they kind of had come back and said, listen, like, why don't you think about staying in London? Why don't you think about doing this here? And why don't you think about uh, working with us together in doing something? Cool. And we weren't sure. We thought probably we'd, we'd move. Um, but as time kind of evolved and progressed, we just felt like London was a great place. Again, Heather being from Sarnia. Um, it's kind of a smaller town, border town. Yep. Toronto. We felt like I mean, I've always loved London growing up here, but uh, felt like um, you know maybe this is a great place to stay and kind of embed ourselves and uh, and work on something here in the city. Cool. And uh, so in 2011, it's hard to believe. 2011, we March 2011. Time flies. Or, yeah, eh? it's craziness. We started uh, with a small group that was kind of sent out from Royal View. It started more as kind of multi-site with different names, but is now uh, we're. Uh, I mean, Royal is still our mother church. Um, we have some things that are centralized, but working towards um, yeah. autonomy. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah essence, I think down the road for sure. It's cool. nice not to have that pressure on us right now.
1: Yep. But uh, that's kind of been the story. Yeah. Cool. So do you, um, just as we wade into this conversation, yeah. you obviously go from an established church, yeah. uh, a bigger church, uh, lots of ministries, lots of funding, lots of support, lots of volunteers, yeah. and you go out and plant a church. Uh, what have been some of the, the major differences in terms of how ministry looks at a church plant as opposed to an established church?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, one, and I think this is a good thing, I think we'll probably talk about this, yeah. like, you don't have a building. Yep. Um, at first you kind of work through that. You don't, I mean, you're just starting, you're gathering people. Yeah. What's um, the
1: church if we don't have a building? Right. But
3: it's been actually a beautiful thing. So we started in a high school. Um, we were renting a theater right downtown in the heart of the city. And now we're at kind of like a multi-purpose. Um, it's Goodwill industry. So they got all sorts of things in there. We rent uh, in there. So we've been sojourning a bit from nice. place to place. So, but that has like been, I think, actually a, a benefit. Um, our church is not intentionally, and I was I was saying this to you, Nate. Um, probably close to eighty-five, ninety percent under the age of thirty-five. Yep. And so that's not intentional. <laughs> I, I always say we always joke like we want people who are mature and older. It's funny, as people come in, it's like Heather and I are just like, ah, oh, please, you know, stay or whatever. Descending on yeah. the experience. But um, with that, like. I mean, there's been challenges and joys. I think it's a generation and a kind of an age group that, at least in our city and in our culture in Canada, is not. Uh, there's a lot of transition happening uh, right. with that age group, so it's been uh, it's been amazing to kind of gather people in that that demographic. Um, but there's challenges that that come along with that. So there's
1: some, yeah. Some there people. must be some sort of, an, and I know Jude, you. <clears throat> Uh, took over at a church that was well-established. You, you actually came in after uh, Mike Wilkins, who's been on the show, uh, and he was there for 31 years. So you're, you're kind of coming in in almost the exact opposite scenario where you're coming in with everything already established. I'm sure that comes with its own challenges as well.
2: Uh, certainly. You know, I had uh, I'd never been in a church that big, and uh, the church I had been at for quite some time before that was considerably smaller, you know, 150 or less uh, for the time I was going there. Uh, knew everyone's name, knew yep. who their kids were. Um, that has all changed. I'm, I'm still meeting. People, yeah, I've been been there three years. I'm still meeting people who have been there the whole time. I have. Right. Uh, I've oh, learned. Are you n- new here? Yeah. Like I've learned actually, not to ask that question. Yeah. Uh, the question is, how long have you been coming here? Nice. And if they say 15 years, then you don't sound like an idiot for <laughs> suggesting they're newcomer. Um. So yeah, a lot of challenges with that, and uh, they can be very um, practical challenges like that, like not knowing everyone's name. Yep. Uh, or you know just it was intimidating for me to go from being on a board at one church and, and working through a budget, which would, you know, look almost like a household budget for families in London. Yep. Uh, and now, you know, talking about these huge numbers, uh, that, you know, in my mind I still have trouble conceiving. So, yeah. you know, all sorts of things, uh, in terms of, of, you know, working them out, you know, there's a lot of great things, you know, I've mentioned some things that might be negative. There's some great things, you know, in terms of the resources available, like you said, the volunteers, uh, I don't like that word, the ministry partners that uh, are willing to step up and, and, uh, and work with you and even having a staff, you know, to bounce ideas off and and work through problems with and a lot of great things about it. But uh, yeah, they're, they're significantly different experiences.
1: Now, Drew, when you ventured out to do City View and to plant a a church, now it might be a little different for you since you still have such a good functional relationship with your mother church, Royal View. Um, but I know that was one thing that when I when I left uh, the church I was apprenticing at West London to go to Crossroads, I went from a multi-staff situation to I'm the guy and I'm the only guy, and I found that a little isolating and a little lonely at times. Do you do you find that difficult going from kind of multi-staff to now you're on your own and and the decision the buck stops with you and that, that kind of stuff?
3: Yeah, well, I mean I, for a while I and I still do have an office at at the mother church, not having our own building and not like our own church having our own office yep. space. Yeah, it can be for sure. I feel uh, I feel blessed that we started with a team of people that helped carry uh, because we don't have a staff. They're almost like, and they still are, Uh, um, somebody overseeing kids and the teams and uh, a number of things. Our upfront stuff. It's been in our gatherings, it's been great to start with a group of people that I think kind of got it. They don't get a paycheck, they're, volu- I don't like the word volunteers either, but they're they're doing their thing. So that's been good. As far as the, the pastoral side, it's been good, I think, to be in the same city as a mother church, to still have those relationships, to yep. not feel like you're on your own. I mean, there's so many different ways right now, the way people start churches. Some of them are parachute people come in, for, and that's what we thought we would do. Um, being from here and living here, for 25 years or whatever there's been some definite benefits i think a lot of people don't think about starting something in their own own context there's been there's been some things that have made it easier i think you know for us being here we felt more called probably to the city over you know in that discussion with those early leaders and how we would do this we felt more called to the city probably than the than the church. The church kind of came with that. Right. You know, people say uh, it's not that the church has a mission, but the mission has a church. We've kind of yeah. felt like that's been been our story. Um, so, and then the network relationships of people, um, not parachuting, but being here, knowing other pastors and, and other, other people has been good. But But at the same time, like I was 27 when we started it and there was really nobody, that was a time where there wasn't a ton of church planting going on in London. I mean, there's always works, I think, Starting, but there wasn't, yeah. yeah, there wasn't other churches necessarily starting, uh, you know, the early 2010s, <laughs> if we can call them that. Um, so um, now there's been more, and just uh, rubbing shoulders with a few people. But yeah, oh. loneliness probably is less than, hey, parachuting to another city that you're trying to learn. I, we, we're thankful we didn't have to do
2: that. Do you think that that, you know, just as you're talking, the question occurred to me, um, you know, do you, do you parachute somewhere or do you stay in the context? Of the other? It, what came to mind was a story, and I'll probably just brutalize history here. But I think it was Cortez. He crosses the ocean, uh, they get out of their boats, and he burns the ships, you know, so that everyone knows we, we, we fight hired. and we conquer or not. Yeah. Uh, has that good relationship you've had with the mother church, has it ever been a hindrance? Just for you as saying... You know, even in the back of your mind, you know what, if this doesn't work out, you know? Yeah,
3: I've thought through that, like, so, and it's a great question, because I've, I've seriously thought through that, like, my life is here, so if this doesn't work, right, I'll go and sell insurance or whatever. So there's good, <laughs> th- there's good from that, because I think, at least from observing from 30,000 feet, there's a lot of people that are planting churches, I think, that haven't seen in American standards, and North American standards, quote-unquote success, right, and... Have given up, I think, too early. In our case, when you plant a church, you plant a church in your head and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, Nothing people are beats coming. The in my head. Yeah, the yeah. budget's met. Um, so there's the pros and cons of being from here. The pro is we've kind of said as a fan and our family said like, we're just going to do this. Um, there's been challenges along the way, especially again with younger demographic coming and going. There's, there's all, you know, all sorts of challenges. The good thing with being from here is we've just said like, listen, we're going to stick this through the, the the other side is true. What you just said is it can be easy to think, well, we've got that covering. It's, it's easier on the other side. Um, yeah, but I feel like it's been more of a, a benefit to to think we're going to stick this out because I think probably, uh, and especially looking and not to speak ill of, you know, church planting organizations, but there's some that want certain goals and certain measurables reached. I've had none of that pressure, right? And um, I think that's that's been a that's been a good thing, um, just kind of staying the course.
0: Excellent. You, you mentioned, Drew, when you were talking about, about success and the idea of what, what a successful church looks like. What do you guys, you guys are all senior pastors at different sized churches. In North America, culture always says bigger is better. Everything needs to be big. We need tons of people in our, in our pews and whatnot. How, how do you guys define success in your ministries when, if it's not defined by just straight attendance?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> That's a great question. I if I'm if I'm completely honest, I, I mean I, it's something I struggle with. It's not something that I, I have figured out. I, in my in my head, I know, or um, that you know, success is faithfulness, right? It's it's uh, it's the work of the Spirit in the lives of our people. Um, truth is, there's nothing that gets me more excited than than seeing a tangible difference in, in the obedience lived out in somebody's life who's in my congregation, and you can look back, I've been there for three and a half years now, and so you look at certain people and you you can see the difference that, that your teaching is making, that your counsel is making, that uh, the, the mission of the church is making in their lives, and that's fantastic, but it you know, that's at my best moments. <laughs> at my worst moments, you know, you do, you know, and, and pride seeps in, and you you think, you know, I'm, I'm destined for greater things, and, you know, people are, people ought to be coming in here in droves, and, and so it, it is hard to, I think, in my head at least, combat that uh, North American success that's been, you know, hammered into me by culture, so I would say that success ought to be faithfulness, but a lot of times it does. It, it comes down to numbers. It comes down to budget. It comes down to all those kinds of things, and I think that's a constant battle. At least it is for me. Yeah,
2: I, I you know I've been very helped by Mark Dever in that his book, The Deliberate Church. Um, we are called to faithfulness, not fruitfulness. God's in charge of the fruitfulness. Uh, and the, and one of the things I've found helpful is is what would church look like in different parts of the world? You know, a church that didn't grow for twenty years in Iran could be far more successful than the church I have or the church that someone else has that's multiplying. Uh, so, I, as a matter of fact, I don't, I can't think of a visible uh, indicator of success that is actually uh, truly biblical. You know, I think of the, the, the parable or the story of the sheep and the goats. Um, what they're talking about there is is there are some goats who have visible fruit, you know, casting out demons, healing, right. you know, raising the dead. Depart from me, I never knew you. Uh, what is success? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Right. And so, you know, if 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 our church isn't seeing any indications of visible fruit, then I want to look at that hard because I think God generally is, you know, in the habit of uh, giving fruit to faithful churches. But there's no guarantee, and so I remind myself of that. And um, I'm in a situation where um, most of the fruit I had nothing to do with, you know, so the things that, you know, I would say from the outside or from the North American standard look good about our church, uh, I had very little to do with. That wasn't me. That was uh, Pastor Mike and other people. I sort of inherited it. So uh, that's helpful for me to not get caught into that. And I, too, get got, get caught into those things. Um, but um, I found that just that idea of the call to be faithful to the Word and what God's commanded us to do, that's success. And let's leave the fruitfulness to God.
3: Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I mean, I think in our context, too, what we're trying to do, at least I've had to in the last few years, is just reimagine Um, success, just even in the sense of even on Sundays, you know, with a younger community, uh, I'm not just looking at one Sunday, you know, looking at the overall picture of what God's doing. So for example, like we would never get above 55, 60% of our people in a gathering.
1: On Um, any given Sunday. yeah, Yeah, right. Like, so
3: just with the age demo, like my dad planted a church in the 80s and they got to 200 people within a few years and just even talking to him, Sundays were sacred, you know, right. stuff right. was cl- like closed. That's craziness. Yeah. And now we d-
1: deal with- You weren't competing with anything because yeah, everything was closed, right. yeah, seriously. And
3: so like even, I know even the last couple of years, just even, even in this idea of success, just speaking and thinking into, um, not even fighting that, you know, like we have people working now and all sorts of things, just looking, at, going up and looking at the grander scale of what is happening as as been something that we've had to do to not uh, give up. I, I mean, I agree with like just um, looking at success in the sense of being faithful and all that. But I think too, uh, as well, just looking at the sometimes you can't capture. and I've been saying that this to our community. You can't always capture in one single gathering what you know what's happening uh, in in the life of uh, of a church. So yeah, and
2: I mean that would even be true on a bigger scale yeah. than that. Years, yeah. one year yeah. does not yeah. you know yeah. Yeah. indicate success you know what what, 20 years from now 30 years from now and And this trend
3: too i was just going to say is not like just a small like you're you're seeing it in different ways like i know even talking to my dad who's the you know pastors our mother church like they all communities are seeing the radical shifts right take place and um the one thing has been do we fight this i i no i'm not i you know i'm not gonna i think we've just said listen we're not gonna fight um I think we need to call people to be faithful to community yeah. but I think um and to Jesus and his kingdom and all that's that's happening in the life of the local church but I think reimagining too like if this is where we are how do you how do you become a faithful community in amongst some of these yeah. these trends of work schedules and totally. younger you know people totally. sports and all that like
1: yeah um, one of the things you said. So, Chris, you can pull us back if, if I'm getting off on a bunny trail too much. But I was just thinking, as you talked about um, looking at faithfulness over years instead of, you know, one gathering at a time or one week at a time or even a year. Um, I Earlier this year, I was looking. Um, you know, when you upgraded to Windows 10, uh, Windows, Windows 10 is so smart. I'm a Mac it, it, guy, man. Oh. Can't, I can't go there. I'm just joking. All right. Well, you can sit out, out of and this cupboard now. <laughs> um, uh, of course,
0: the, the church planning hipster. Oh, <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> Nice, nice.
1: Tattoos and Mac. <laughs> right. Black frame glasses, lattes. All right, we're done. Um, but Windows 10 uh, knows enough about me that it, it finds pictures and puts them on my login screen that it knows I'll like based sure. on search history or whatever, right? And so one day I open up my laptop, and there's this this beautiful cathedral, this this huge big old old church, and I thought it was just so the architecture and and the details. I thought it was so awesome. So I go on Wikipedia and and try to look for this church. what is this church? What's the story behind this church? And uh, when I was reading up on it on Wikipedia, this church took 120 years to build. And it dawned on me what would it look like for me to bring to my congregation a building project that was going to take 120 (laughs) years right um you're never going to worship in this place your kids probably won't worship in this place but your grandchildren will worship in this place and it just it it for me it really brought to the forefront this idea of what does the the ministry of our church look like in 120 years? And I will be dead and gone, and whoever I get to replace right. me will be dead and gone, and probably the guy after that, if if uh, if uh, statistics mean anything. So you're looking all those years down the road, and I think sometimes we're just so short-sighted, and so we get caught in this success mentality of you know church growth now, and we and we and in a lot of ways, we've sacrificed the long, fruitful, faithful efforts um, that churches used to have.
2: Yeah, one of, one of the things I've been thinking about lately, I think, goes along with that, uh, and I'm not sure who said it. You know, I've, I, I confess, I've said it before, I don't have an original thought, I just regurgitate things, but sometimes I don't remember where it came from. Um, really, we can look at our jobs uh, very simply as um, doing what's required so we hand off this flock someone else. Right. You know, so what if I made the decisions and some of them would be hard decisions uh, that might actually decrease the visible fruit of the church so that whoever's coming after me doesn't have to deal with that and has a healthier flock, a more faithful flock to work with. Even thinking in terms of that, that's my job. My job is to take care of things till someone else uh, I hand them over to someone else. Uh, so it's not about me, and it's not about what people think about me and what it looks like I've done. But what's the guy who comes after me going to say? Is he going to say, wow, you know, I've got a, I've got a flock here. It's organized. It's, it's well-fed. They've been taken care of. They've been protected. Uh, there's systems in place to facil- facilitate all those things. I mean, there's another more long-term metric for success that, you know, oftentimes we don't think about.
0: You, get, you, you To put it in a weird analogy of like farming, you have to clear out all the dead stuff first before you can plant new seeds. Farmer might not see that for, for weeks and months. We're putting it in a small scale, but that's the same idea, right? Like sure. you, like your your task in the kingdom might be to clear out the old so that the new stuff, the next guy can reap that harvest in there is what you're saying right. kind of thing.
1: It's, it's interesting. I mean, uh, the verse that comes to mind as we're sitting here having this conversation is in Luke 14, uh, and in Luke 14, Jesus does something that would probably have him fail every seminary <laughs> in North America, right? So, uh, verse 25 says, "Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and he said to them." So here we go. This is the North American, you know, litmus test here. We got great crowds. Awesome. But Jesus turns around. Verse 26 says, "If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, cannot be my disciple." So, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, reaction to having a big crowd was I I gotta I gotta thin this a little bit, <laughs> right? I got I gotta turn around and rebuke and get rid of some of these goats, uh, so that I the flock that's yeah. around me. Uh, it... Yeah, Eugene Peterson says uh, I think he says, uh, larger
3: crowd, less truth.
1: Right. It's interesting. Yeah. You know? Absolutely.
3: Uh, and it, I, it is this world because I've been in both, and I even uh, interned in a church that was huge in Australia. And I've noticed, you know, sometimes there can be the divide of uh, big as bad or big as good, little as bad, little as good. And I think, even from that verse, um, I think every church faces, whether you're big or you're small, there's disciples and there's, it's hard, it's hard yeah, truth, there's, but there's some that. There are people aren't, who right? are
1: really following and people just yeah. traveling around. And the for thing the-
3: too, even with health. Uh, I've I've seen bigger unhealthy like I think yeah. sometimes this uh, mindset that we've played that if your church is big uh, it's healthy and that's not always true but at the same time in kind of the new missional movement which my brain is in and in, in conversations with a lot of people sometimes there can be this pride in the church being small grassroots millennials don't like the show they like the small but i've also seen and rub shoulders with churches that are small that are unhealthy as well and i think we just we got to be open about
1: about that absolutely so so big doesn't mean righteous and small doesn't mean righteous and
2: and growth doesn't mean health necessarily yeah i mean uh, tumors grow yeah. right? They get bigger. Sure. And so I think that's a good point that, yeah. uh, again, this sometimes uh, this visible fruit uh, doesn't indicate us uh, what it seems to be indicating.
1: Now, just to kind of bring this back, uh, because not all of our listeners are pastors. So just to, to kind of give some practical advice from our conversation here, I, I think one way I, I think we should encourage our listeners is that um, in the same way that pastoral success isn't marked by numbers or or visible outward right Uh, the bible says that man looks at outward appearance god looks at the heart um, you know, so for those of you who are listening, who are are trying to be faithful, right? You're sharing your faith, you're you're um you know submitting to King Jesus in various spheres of your life. Um, you're doing everything you can to raise your kids to love Jesus, um, and and sometimes you're not seeing the fruit of that. I, I would just say, you know, your success as an evangelist, your success that the fruit isn't in your that's not part of your job description. Your job description is to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Let God determine success. And so you have a lot of people out there who might be really faithful in how they're interacting with their neighbors and how they're interacting with their coworkers, and uh, and they're not seeing the fruit. And I would just say, in the same way that we're saying long-term ministry success is better than the the short-term stuff, um, similarly, I would just encourage you to to stick at it because the fruit is God's department. You keep being faithful.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You said it uh, one time, I remember you saying it, Nate, it's about the legacy you leave, right? right. Um, somebody who doesn't work for the kingdom doesn't have a legacy once everybody who knew them dies right. because they've left nothing. Whereas just being a, a lay person in the church, we can leave a legacy by working in the kingdom that will outlive us and the fruit will come from that. So. Yeah,
1: and I, I, not to get controversial here or use a Bible verse that some of you might disagree with, but in, in first, I think of that when I think of 1 Corinthians 15, and you have this idea that Christ is reigning from the right hand of the Father and uh, that he must reign from the right hand of the Father until all his enemies are placed under his feet in victory. And then it says, the last enemy to be defeated is death. So Jesus comes down, he says, and then the end comes when he delivers to the, the kingdom to the Father, right? And so you have this idea that, that Jesus is giving the kingdom to the Father as this finished product, right? And this is part of what the, the Jews struggled with early on is Uh, The Messiah didn't bring the kingdom in its fully finished form that we thought uh, that he would. He brought it in a a seed form, a mustard seed form, and it's in the process of growing. But at the end, whatever your eschatological belief is of what the kingdom of God looks like at the end, at that finished product, we're going to have eternity to sit there and and think about, you know, what part of that kingdom did my hands help build? And of course, we mean through the power of the Spirit and, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, did we build that? Or did, sure. did we just yeah. build our own little competing kingdom? Right.
0: So, yeah. wonderful. Great discussion, guys. Um, let's just wrap it up here. Um, let's ask Drew, since he's new to the show, <laughs> our Christian life hack for the week. So, Drew, how can you be a good husband, father, and still serve the church when you're swamped at work?
3: Ah, uh, that's a good question. I kind of feel like you got to balance that stuff. Like, I think in the pastoral profession if that's what we want to call it. It's obviously easy to be busy. It never stops. But I also do think we have control over that in creating a culture that's uh, that's healthy. I, I'm, I' at least for myself, I'm blessed to be in a, in a setting where there isn't the pressure to sacrifice everything for mm-hmm. the church. So I think um, uh, maybe not every pastor's in that setting, but I think everybody's got to work your way towards that. Um, Sabbath is important and rest and, and all that. I don't know if that's answering your question well. Is thats that... Is that... Oh
0: the The life act there would be just keep the Sabbath and make sure you have the right priorities
3: for sure. But I do think we have
2: control. Yes, uh, I mean that the, that part that of your point, point I loved. Yeah. We're not victims. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's that it's that North American victim mentality that this is out of your control. No, it's not. For sure. Make some choices. Right. Uh, that will help. And you I would out.
3: push back. Like, and I'm again. I'm not in a setting that is uh, is um, making me a slave. But if I would say if somebody's in a
1: setting like that, um, I would just push back on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah awesome well thanks so much for being with us uh, drew thanks for being with us no jude um thanks again to our, our tech wizard over there dave and uh great for you joining us uh, on the rebel alliance podcast again just remember to uh to like uh to comment on and to share uh the the stuff we put out on facebook and on itunes uh just interact with us it helps helps get the message out uh, helps us grow and uh, if you're finding this content helpful hopefully somebody else will as well take care we'll see you next time